Yeah. To your voice, to your mouth. You'll even sound you like that. Trick. Yeah. Cool. Like back here, I'm an echoey geek, but up here, I'm like real. Baritone. I'm still learning. Me too. Me too. I'm still learning. Hashtag me too. Sam Dancer, uh, another person that I only know from some of maybe his most intense moments in his life. My words, not his. Phys- physically intense. We've only interacted when he's pushing his body to the absolute limits. Freakish physique at that. <clears throat> my impression and my interpretation of Sam, and we don't talk before the show, literally the first things you're hearing us say, bam, we're recording. My interpretation and my impression of Sam Dancer is that he is on a mission, and I don't know when it started, but we'll figure that out if I'm right, to explore the deepest facets of his ability to love his fellow man and to share that love so that other people can also express that and feel free to be open to love and to express love. And he shares that journey on his, Ooh, I got a little emotional for a second. Shares that journey on his uh, Instagram and, um, it's pretty obvious because he showers love on his friends and his, that he's, he's used his platform to shower love on people basically. And to share the journey of him exploring the ability to do that and receive it. Wow. That's the same. According to, according to the two hours that I spent going through your Instagram last night. Yeah. You did some research. Just a little bit. You know, we did, was, we did a we did a podcast together a couple of years ago. Matt remember did most, that? Yeah, I do remember that. But Matt did most of the talking, right? I was like, way into his, I was way into his marijuana stuff. He his yeah. marijuana farming. So he, he usually does the all the talking. <laughs> I'm that I'm that friend too. If you and I were to go onto a podcast together, I, I wouldn't let you talk either. Well, I appreciate the. Um, such a generous introduction still working on all that stuff that you so graciously eloquently put but i don't think i'm quite quite there yet but i I appreciate it and i'm glad it at least seems like it's it's something i'm working on sam where were you born i was born in quincy illinois well, I wasn't born in Quincy, Illinois. I was born in Springfield. But my entire life that I can recall has taken place in Quincy, Illinois. And then pretty much been there my whole life. Um, me and my wife got married. We moved to Cincinnati. Then we moved to San Francisco. Then we moved to San Diego. And now we're back in Quincy, Illinois as our home base. And one of the vehicles that Sam uses to um, to get his message across is fitness and health. He shares his journey pretty uh, intimately on there, on his on his Instagram. And, and I I think um, it's a typical journey um, of a of a young man, but it it leaves the typical path as he gets older and he sort of chooses. Um, 
to work on himself in a way I think a lot of people are chasing, um, you know, riches, success and security. And Sam, um, you know, at, at the point where, where some of us like stopped the drinking and smoking and partying and playing, he, he started, that's when he started sort of his, his journey of, of spreading love. Um, mm. t- so tell me about your, so, so you're born in Quincy, Illinois. Is that, is that a small town? Is it a suburb? Yeah, it's a really small town. We're looking at like 40,000 people. And then all the, all the towns around Quincy are 400, 500, 600,000 in population. So Quincy, Quincy to me is a, is a small place, but to the people who live outside of Quincy, Quincy is like the big city. Um, but it's, it's all farmland and plains. So typical, typical Illinois scenery. But, and, so um, you're, and so you're raised there in, yeah. and you live, and do you still live there? Where do you live now? Yeah. I'm in Quincy, Illinois right now. So um, you went back to your home. Yeah. I honestly, I feel called to be here. Um, it's Quincy feels like it's like 10 years behind on everything. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a really good thing. We, we tend to kind of look at it as a bad thing. Just, um, it, it takes a, it takes a while for you name it, whether it be fashion or just cultural norms or whatever it is, it takes a while for it to reach the, uh, the Midwest. And, um, and like I said, maybe that, maybe that's not such a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's going to maybe make it a little bit easier of a job for us to do what we're, what we feel so passionate about doing here in our hometown. And that's just really, yeah, changing the culture. We want, we want Quincy and I'm sure you visited places like this, Savon, where I remember the first time I visited, I don't know if it was like Boulder or it was somewhere in in Colorado and I hadn't traveled much. And I saw all these people out riding their bikes, people out jogging, people were out and people aren't really out here. Um, but it also doesn't really have the infrastructure to support, um, activities. So a, besides me and my wife, we, there's a, a couple, couple people in our circle who are really working hard to change that here in our town and, and make it a place where people are active, people are healthy, people are well. People are um, communal. We really want to build that up. We want, and it already kind of, it being the nature of a small town, people, we all tend to know each other fairly well, but it's just, it's not, an, it's not as active as say like just a, a bigger city and, and, and or just a, a place with better weather. And I don't want to make it, seem like that's the reason why we don't have fun things to do here in Quincy just because the weather's shit um it gets really really hot and it gets kind of nasty in the winters but I've traveled to places that are really really hot and they're still having a good time doing activities going out having fun and I've been to places that are really really cold they're out and about and I just um it's it's kind of starting here with our gym, I own a, I owned a CrossFit gym for seven, eight, seven years. And then 
decided to unaffiliate, kind of, you know, affiliate and um, kind of, because every time people thought about CrossFit here in my town, they thought of what I was doing, the CrossFit games, and they were terrified of it. And uh, although I'm very, I'm kind of, I was, I'm one of those people that thought one of the best things that CrossFit had in terms of brand visibility were things such as like the regional competitions and such like that. Um, but at the same time, it, although it was, it was making the brand more visible uh, and, and sure a, a lot of people that saw that thought it was really, really cool. But the, the people we need to really truly reach are very intimidated by, um, by the sport. And um, that, at least for me, that attachment to the sport with the word CrossFit was really getting in the way of me being able to reach the people that I, I, I feel called to reach and, uh, and want to help. And so much of our business model while we were affiliated with CrossFit, it seemed to be more focused around people who were already generally physically fit. And, um, and I didn't, I want the sick people. I want the hurt people. I want the people who, yeah, who need us most. And, um, so I've, I've, I've been working hard over the years to, I worked hard before in the past. I, I worked really hard to make sure that like this gym never became a competitive gym. So for years, my clients barely knew that I even competed. It wasn't until maybe they started, they'd see me on TV or something and be like, Hey, saw you doing this. What was that all about? Like, I don't really, I don't hang all my, my, my jerseys or my, my podium shirts or any of my, name plaques out or anything it's it's if you came into my gym you wouldn't know that there there'd been someone who's gone to the crossfit games four times here um so i really worked hard to protect my gym from it ever becoming super competitive because that's where i started to see where the wheels would fall off for a lot of people when it would get sure there's some great things about the intensity that is derived from competition but I don't know that that's a sustainable practice. And I'm not, and just to be clear, I love CrossFit. I love the CrossFit culture. I'm not bashing CrossFit. It just, there were some things that I, I personally thought that I could maybe do a little bit differently that would allow me to have a greater reach in the, in the, in the town that I live in. And, um, and like I said earlier, I feel really called to, uh, to be here in Quincy, Illinois, this really, you know, I mean, I've traveled a lot. I've gotten to go visit some beautiful places, places that I'm revered and, and I hate even saying that's a, it's a weird thing to think about. I'm, I'm, I'm treated much differently here in Quincy, Illinois than I am in a San Diego or a big city in a big city. I can. I can book seminars every single weekend. I can charge people one, two, three hundred dollars to consult with me. And in Quincy, I can't do it. Like I, nobody cares who I am here in Quincy, Illinois. And um, not that I'm trying to make it so that people do care who I am. I don't really care that people know who I am or or anything. Um, all I really care about is 
is just is getting <laughs> getting people to care <laughs> uh, care how I care about my wellness and my community and um, and I I understand that it's I could take a much easier route and and move to San Diego completely full time or move somewhere where it's really really nice all the time and and where I'm where I actually have market value um, compared to compared to here. Um, it's yeah. It's sometimes to it's contextualize to contextualize this for some people. Sam is um, very very well known in the CrossFit community all around the world. All hundred all seven continents for being extremely extremely strong he was a bit his physique was a bit of an outlier for the for anyone who ever made it to the games he's freakishly strong he's stout he's super duper broad um with a with a relatively small waist and um he looks like a an action figure but if you go to his instagram you will not see endless posts of him doing super heavy snatches super heavy deadlifts you will actually see what he's talking about, you'll see him working with a guy in a wheelchair who's never been able to straighten his arm, and Sam's working on it with helping the guy straighten his arm for the first time, and because he has some sort of neurological issue. Or you'll see him with you know working with someone on an assault bike and they're in a wheelchair and they're using it in a reverse manner that you have to be innovative to use. So everything he's saying, you you will see that. Um, and uh, but he also doesn't hide his body, which. I think, and this is a little bit of shift going back to what we started talking about. When I see the way you dress and I see the way you behave, I see this guy who is telling the world, it, it, in most cases you would say, oh, this is a guy who just loves his body and wants to show it off, which I think is totally appropriate. I think that that's a great thing to do. But what you really see in Sam's pictures is a guy who's trying to show you that he's vulnerable. Hey, I'm super duper open and vulnerable. Not vulnerable in the sense – maybe vulnerable is not the right word. It has too much connotation. That he's open. Like, hey, I'm open. Here I am. Here I lie naked for you to approach me. Here I am with a smile on my face. I know this may not look like your typical open – my physique doesn't look like a typical open person with with the prejudices that people have of the, of the grunting buff guy in the gym, but he – but after just a few posts, you see, oh, he's presenting himself for the world to examine and come close to. Come take a closer look. I am open to you. I'll hug you. And and it's uh, it's interesting because there's there's probably a lot of there's probably an equal amount of people who are like tripped out by that because they're not used to seeing a guy surfing in a speedo, you know, or a bikini, a banana hammock. But on the other hand, once you dig in a little further, you see, oh, this is this is the dude I want to hang out with. This is where the fun's at. Are, are you conscious of that, or is that is that just the way? You it know is? what? I um, I'm legally blind, so oh, so you don't know how funny you dress. I, I can't even see it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. That explains um, the way you dress. I uh, I am legally by the way blind. when when so, one more thing when Sam says we he's talking about Jen Dancer Jennifer Dancer that's his wife and um they are like they might as well be um conjoined joined at the hips yeah. they are they're inseparable we pretty much are and you can see it um in, in his expression of his art too sorry go on so tell me but, so you're uh, legally blind yeah so I can't if, do you know how hard that, that is to believe too. Like you, it is. It's hard you, for me to told me that. It's hard for me to believe too. Sometimes, um, every once in a while, it 
it, um, I'm reminded of it. Um, and it, we can maybe get to that in a little bit. There are some, some times where I do get a little, a little anxious when I can't see. Um, but for the most part, I manage it really, really well. And you would never know unless I told you, um, or you'd think I'd, I was mad at you because I tend to do this a lot. I squint my eyes to see who someone is and it looks like I'm just ready to pounce on you and beat you up. But, um, I can't, yeah, I can't see. And because I can't see, I, I don't, I can obviously still see, like there's still visible things coming into my, coming into my retina and I'm, I'm catching some things. It's very foggy, but I, to a degree have kind of checked out with that faculty and I, I don't, I don't work really hard to see things. I just kind of mosey through, flow through, and I tend to not, not try really hard to maybe yeah, to see someone's face. So when I'm wearing maybe a Speedo or I'm dressing in something very flamboyant, um, I'm not seeing people's reactions, which would probably change, maybe change my, uh, my decision-making on, on what I wear sometimes, or maybe make me feel, um, a little insecure, but that blindness has, has really kind of put a, a protective barrier over me from really giving a shit about what other people think in regards to how I look or how I dress. Um, and, uh, I honestly, I just, I, feel and it's not to show off my body uh if you i mean i appreciate the the compliments on my physique but and you did mention it a little bit my physique isn't uh isn't the crossfit standard by when we're talking about the professional sport of it i'm probably 20 30 pounds heavier than the the average the average crossfit athlete um maybe maybe the largest heaviest athlete to probably even compete at the games. But um I don't look like they look. And there have there have been times in my life that I I don't want to say I was ashamed of my body, but I knew it didn't look like the others. Um, you know, I weighed upwards of two hundred and seventy five pounds in college and um you know, even still there, could look around and see other other athletes who had far greater physiques. And so, same thing here in CrossFit. I'm able to look around and definitely tell there's a difference between my physique and and uh, the the kind of the standard. Or a Travis um, Mayer, yeah, yeah. And those guys are they look they look incredible. Yes. And uh, I I. I, it doesn't, it's not constantly like in my head. I'm not like always thinking about how, how I look, but I have through time over, I feel to degree overcome any of those insecurities with how I look. And, and, uh, I, I, I love, I love what I've built for myself. I, I, I'm, hell yeah. I'm, I'm honored I'm honored. I love what I've, I've built for myself. I'm, I'm grateful. That's the word. I'm grateful and I'm thankful that I 
get the opportunity to wear this sleeve spacesuit. Yeah. Um, yep. And I've I've worked really hard over the years to uh, adjust it so that I could I could do more with it. So I could do more with it, and and that's really I think where the confidence has come from is not so much with the way that I look, but what I'm capable of doing with, with my physical body. And that's where a lot of my, my confidence comes from. And it's something that I've implemented into um, the, the nature of my programming when I'm working with clients. And from my own experience, I've been able to uh, reap the benefits of, of developing skills and when you develop skills, you, you really reinforce your confidence. And so I, and I, you've seen it. Take note, parents, take notes. He just gave some amazing parenting advice. Hundreds right of times, right? You, you see someone who can't do something and then you coach them and you, and then they do it and they light up and you can't take that from them. You can't, it's just like they earn that and, and they have it. And they can and they can use it, and it's it's going to be some. It just for me, it's something that makes me feel good about myself, and and I and it's very obvious when you see it click for someone else too, and you're like, oh my gosh, they're that's like that's what we're look the reaction that you get from someone getting their first double under or whatever they're pull up or whatever it is. It really doesn't matter. Um, any, any, anything that reaction is, it's what I, it's how I want to feel. It's how I want to feel all the time. And it's what's made me such a performance whore in, in multiple categories, more, more than just what I'm doing with my physical body, but how I'm training myself mentally and spiritually because I started to see that there were other aspects to um, other, other skills, if you will, that I could develop that would allow me to have that enriching feeling of, of, of joy and confidence um, from learning something new and, um, and getting better at it. And that's, um, that's kind of, really helped me with my self-image um and i <laughs> you know i still understand that i how i look or how i could look comparatively to how other people look and i always tell my wife this my wife will like put through the gym and like stick her stomach out and she pretty much still has a six-pack and she'll be like oh my god i'm so fat and like right next to her is a person who's maybe actually 200 pounds overweight I'm just like Jenny can't say that. <laughs> so I like, I understand that I, I, and I'm again, I'm thankful and I, and I love the physique that I do have, but the reason I love it isn't what most people would think. It's not because of the way that it looks, but it's because of what I'm able to do with it. And, and that's what's really, I think helped me, help keep me from developing any um any neurotic or kind of image issues that uh end up paralyzing me 
because all I can think about is how ugly I am or how fat I am or, um, or whatever I am. But yeah, if that makes sense. Totally. In the, in the, I never, I haven't thought about this in 20 years, but you reminded me of something I, I didn't have, um, I didn't have any developed confidence, uh, growing up as a child by that. I mean, I didn't, ha- I wasn't, I was the last kid always picked in soccer or whatever, you know, um, I was, I, the worst at the, I was always the worst at the spelling bee in the class. I was the first kid to sit down, but I can, but, but my parents loved the shit out of me. So that, that actually got me to the 51 yard line that always kept me like, so I, w- I wasn't drowned in insecurity, but, um, in the seventh grade, I was in a sewing class, home ec class. I was the only boy in the class. And I had this theory even back then that they put me in there because my name was Sevon and they thought I was a girl. But anyway, I took that class and I was taught how to make handbags and stuffed animals and I could, I was like, holy shit, I'm so good at this. I couldn't believe that like I was make, I could make a stuffed animal from scratch and that I could cut a pattern that I could make a bag and put a zipper on it. And, and, and I remember, you know, and so I'm instilling those things in my kid at a very, very, very early age. Basically, you know, my, my six-year-old got his gray belt and the instructor said, and it made me tear up actually, the instructor Steven said, whispered to me, that will never be taken from him. He'll have that mm. for the rest of his life. And I was like, holy shit. My son just put in two years worth of work and he yeah, earned a gray belt. And I cannot believe the profound impact that's going to have on him. Cause I didn't earn anything till I was 16 and it was a paycheck and I spent it, but he just earned something he's going to keep forever. And the second thing that you, you said that I'd like to give an example of is I am, I am extremely not proud of my body. I will, I am, I have zero, pride in my body and i was the, i would always like go to the beach and i would never take my shirt off until i had one or two beers but at 49 years old i have an uh uncanny ability to play frisbee i i, I live by the motto that every bad throw is a chance for me to look like a superstar i can throw a frisbee anywhere i can throw it around buildings trees anything and i remember that that would be another way if I was out there playing Frisbee with you for 10 or 15 minutes, I'd be like, holy shit, what I can do with this body and a Frisbee is insane. And then I would feel comfortable taking my shirt off because I wouldn't care at that point what my body looked like, but I cared about what it was doing. It always takes a little while to get into that. But like I played recently with a couple other 49 year olds. And if the Frisbee went 10 feet away from them, they, they, they couldn't catch it. Or if it yeah. went too low, they couldn't catch it. And these aren't, these are, you know, relatively fit guys. And I was like, oh, I'm not like that at all. Like if a throw has to be caught, I am the human Labrador. And so I, I appreciate that. Like it's a, it's a, um, it's a cool work around the insecurity. It's a, uh, Hey, this, this, I don't care what, I don't care if my car, if you think my car is ugly or you don't like the paint of my car, it, it's going to, it's going to win all the races or, 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 or not even win the races. It's will, my car is willing to go as fast as it can, <laughs> you know? Mm. So, yeah. Um, yeah, all of that stuff's all of that stuff's pretty uh, interesting. And and going back to what you said about it's it's funny. There's pe- about what you were saying about your wife about saying I'm fat next to someone who's fat. What's funny is because then the fat person might interpret that as oh, if they think you're they're fat, they must think I'm really fat. But it really doesn't work that way because there's people I I think have beautiful bodies who I know most people would think had a worse body than me. Worse in quotes. But I actually don't think that. Yeah, I'll be like, oh my god, that that's a really that that dude has a cool body, or that girl has a cool body. But I know most people wouldn't think that. And and 
maybe I wouldn't even be comfortable in that body, but I still find it sexy or attractive or I want to go talk to the person. It's, it's really interesting how it doesn't work um, always both ways. We're just overcritical yeah. of ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Going back to, to the CrossFit thing uh, about um, the game scaring people away, and I've talked about this in other podcasts about the – that was a huge – during 2016 and 17 – when I was running the media department for HQ, that was a huge debate, you know, back and forth. Are the games helping or are they hurting? And in 2017, when we started the CrossFit podcast around that time, Greg had actually said to me, hey, I know I said I would never basically do this, but I want to start showing before and after photos of people. And I want to just focus. We already have the tip of the spear. We have the base. We have first responders. Now I want to go to the complete other end and I want to start getting sick and obese people and and the elderly and i think they overcorrected when they got rid of the media team and they and they switched the website but there was from two basically the primary function of the crossfit podcast i did was to explore that idea to lower that barrier of entry for a mental barrier of entry and uh we had the largest explosion of l1 sales basically we changed the 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 I want to say the word marketing, but we were not allowed to use that word marketing because Greg believed that we should never put anything out unless it adds value to the brand. We should never try to sell the brand. But we basically changed our message from the L1 is for 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 trainers and people who want to open an affiliate to, hey, it is the operating manual for the human genome. And that every single person who wants to have that operating manual, here it is, and you should get it. And actually, it's more apropos, not for trainers, but for unhealthy people. And uh, quickly, we started getting we, stuff we had never seen before. We started getting people in the L1s who were 100 pounds overweight. And it was really, really, really a cool – and then, of course, we were nine months into it. Everything was skyrocketing at CrossFit Inc. The only metric that we were still struggling with was affiliate retention, but all other metrics were skyrocketing. And then they pulled the media team, and, and then we had two years of just – and they shut down Facebook and Instagram, and it just – free falled and then the floyd 19 comment came out and 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 greg pulled the shoot and was like all right fuck you guys i'm out and then and then the response to the the response i a lot of people think that we're in a covid pandemic i i i disagree with that i think we're in a covid response fucking nightmare i think the response to the um to the fire is what uh, has destroyed the world destroyed too strong has caused yeah. a hiccup in the world as opposed to the actual match that was lit and people are acting like it's fucking a flamethrower. But um, yeah, it, did did that, you see any changes in your affiliate in seventeen and eighteen when we changed our messaging? Did you did you did you feel any of that? And you can feel free to be like, "Fuck no, you guys did a horrible job." But I was so proud of it. Well, I first of all, I want to say. So let's go back to the comment, uh, is it helping or hurting? Mm -hmm. And I think it's helping overall. There's, I think there's growth coming from it. When you say helping, it's, you mean the game, the games propaganda, the games, yep. the showmanship yep. of the games. Okay. Yep. I do think it's helping. Um, but, and the, the shift is, is what was needed. I think to, again, to, don't say marketing right we want to put content out there that's adding value but um the the content shift that we wanted to roll the red carpet out further to people's front doorsteps. yeah 
that's a, yeah, that's a great way of putting it. And I, I think it was, um, and because I've, I've met Greg a couple times and gotten to hang out with them. And, um, I, it was always kind of confusing because he was so, he, all he wanted to talk about was health and wellness. Um, it was rarely did we ever talk about me as a competitor. <laughs> we talked about me and my wellness and my, maybe my member or my client's wellness. We never, ever, ever, I've never talked to him about the sport of fitness. And, um, so I, I'm actually really happy with the, the shift that's been made. And I, and who knows, maybe I'll get in trouble for this, but I, I, I liked Greg. Um, I, there's man, if we wanted to dig deep enough on all of us, we could find some ignorant shit that we've all done and said, and we wouldn't and, even have to dig that far. Yeah, you wouldn't, you really <laughs> wouldn't. Um, I think, and, and we all got shit we need to work on too. So for me to, you know, sit here and talk about ways that Greg needs to clean his life up and, and needs to act differently is just that's so ignorant of me to do um i i think greg is a genius and one of the most brilliant minds i've ever had the pleasure to meet with and i loved his passion for for wanting to to heal our planet it and it it seems that's that's what i'll remember greg for i won't remember him for any sexist comments or racial comments i'll remember him for and i'm talking about what he said for him like the, the genius he was and his mission to help heal our planet and and i like the i like that he wasn't afraid to call people out i kind of like the whole i like that that essence that cross you mean, hon- you mean honesty yeah, dude. <laughs> you know, people always thought like CrossFit was kind of like a little aggressive or, or, you know, they're not politically correct, but I, dude, I liked that. I liked that there was no, it was no bullshit and, and, and sure in our, our social climate that not being politically correct tends to you know, hurt someone's feelings or piss someone off. But I, I still, I like that approach. Um, Politically correct means wrong, by the way, the definition (laughs) of politically correct is wrong. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. What uh, yeah. I've had to wake up to that over the past couple of years, but no, I liked it. Uh, Savan, I really, I I like the shift. Um, I, everything's really, I think kind of organically happening really, really well um, with maybe minus the uh, dismissal of Greg. And I still think things are going to be all right. Um, but I'm, I'm really liking how we've almost kind of divided up the, um, the wellness and the, and the, the fitness. Like, um, I feel like you know, there is no wellness, instance, by the way. I, 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 I I, I feel like CrossFit's lost its way right now. I feel like there is yep. no I feel like there is no message coming out of what like we used to really know what CrossFit stood yeah. for. 
Whether you liked it or not, we were the cure for the world's most vexing problem. We were forging elite fitness. Greg had all of these just lines that just came out of his mouth, yep. right? It's the ultimate, it's the operating system for the human genome. Now what is it? Now it's it's like something about happiness. And I just um <laughs> I, I don't I don't know what the um, political correctness. Yeah, it's political correctness, right. <laughs> Which before, is wrong. <laughs> before it was before all energies were were put on serving people, and now um, energies I feel like are being put on telling the world who who they serve, and I just don't think that that's a strong message, I, or, or or it's a politically correct. I think it's a politically correct message. Yeah, it's a it's, shit it's, show right now. You know, it, but I it, it, I think everything's going to be okay. I really do. I I think everything's going to be okay. Me too. And by the way, things I are think gonna, everything's going to be okay too. Work out for the better. Um, I, I think, um, the good news is, is it could, still works. There's not like, it still works, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, like, like it's still really, really difficult and it, it's really still really super empowering for people mm-hmm. in, in all corners and aspects of their life. I think about that all the time. I'm like, I'm so, it took me years and years and years to really figure out what the truth was with like nutrition. And I'm so happy that I, I, I wish I would have found CrossFit even sooner, but I'm so happy that I have, uh, in, in my knowledge and my understanding, a curriculum that is effective, fun, and sustainable. Um, and I, I'm constantly like thankful for what CrossFit has done to, to change my life. I'm, 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 I'm so, and it, it's probably and it promotes, what led and to it's flexible enough to promote experimentation in all those places too. Right. In your diet, of in your movement. Yeah. yeah. There's tons of, I mean, that's, what's kind of so cool about it. There's t- once you get the basics, you can experiment. Yeah. And it's, yeah, yeah, you're very right. And I'm, I'm so happy that I just, it, it found me or I found it or we found each other and, and it's, um, it's been a very in the maybe maybe the most enriching part of my you know my conscious life the, the you know all the childhood I can remember and in my uh, adult years um, the involvement that I've had with CrossFit has been some of the most enriching and greatest experiences I've ever had ever. And I'm, I'm so thankful for, for that. And, um, so I, I have, yeah, I don't have anything really bad to say about, about CrossFit or anything or break. Being that your, your sight is impaired. Have other faculties, um, developed? Yeah, I get a, I get that question a lot. Like, do I have like hypersensitive, like hearing or anything? And I actually got these really tiny ears. Um, oh, those, those are things? nice. Yeah, those are yeah. nice. They'll um, get bigger <laughs> as you get older. How old are you, Sam? <laughs> I'm 34. I'll oh, be a double, master's double athlete size next by the year. Time. You'll have normal ears when you're 78. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have um, radar. Yeah. <laughs> you won't even need a cell phone anymore. I'm, it's a loaded question what I'm asking you because I'm taking you somewhere. But but tell me, tell me about your tell, when you get that question a lot. All right, I do. Yeah, I get the question a lot, and I there's one thing that I've I've definitely noticed 
that's, that's changed significantly. This might not be the answer you're looking for in regards to this question in terms of maybe heightened sensitivity in other areas of my life. Um, but what I've really noticed is because I cannot see, I have to get a lot closer to people. Um, in, in, proxim- in actual like distance, like I have to get closer to them to see them. And I actually have to get closer to them. Um, and, and I mean that in a more, uh, relational way because, and, and it goes oh, you to don't mean the, just, you don't mean just physically, you mean to read them. You have to, you, you, it, it instigates more intimacy yeah. because you're trying to understand, you want to understand them and you can't just pick up on the nuances. Yeah. It would, uh, okay. you know, I'm, I'm unable to judge a book by its cover. You know, I can't see it. And um, that tends to be for a lot of people. My wife, she's she can judge a book by its cover, and she's really good at it, like very spot on. Um, but because I I can't see, you know, and it's a lot of things. It's it's, it's how their eyes are moving. It's the body language. It's it's um yeah, it's just how their facial expressions and stuff. And you can really you can honestly. I've been taking these uh, tactical training courses um, recently, and it's it's amazing what I've learned uh, in regards to um, preventing, um, just basically to avoid any conflict with any other human, so that you're not have you just so that you don't have to fight someone or you don't have to even protect your life. You can just basically avoid it um, altogether. So just reading certain body language and movements and stuff like that and i have a i have a difficult time with that so i tend sounds to get a racist lot. sounds racist <laughs> yeah i'm sure i'm sure i'll say something racist and there'll I'm be sure. something that will sure. make me a racist but it, it, it's just one um, of those things that people read into you know what i mean you see three guys yeah. walking down the street towards you and their pants are hanging down past their fucking butt crack and you cross the street and now you're racist no yeah see, i'm not racist so they were i have to guys. go I have, you know, Jenny, my wife would be able to see that and she'd be like, maybe, Hey, we should walk this way. Me can't see. There's some, there's some guys over there. <laughs> let's go talk right. to them. Right. Let's spread um, the love. So I end up getting way, way closer to people. Uh, I, I believe as a result of that, which is pretty, um, counter to my, um, preferred kind of personality i tend to be a little kind of quiet and to myself and i don't like to be in large groups but because of that it's 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 putting me through practice with it and it's become something that now even though years of my life i I did not enjoy that stuff. I, I actually quite enjoy it now. Um, I I enjoy getting closer to people, not just to see them, but to actually know them and and hear them and and yeah, re- relationships, man, have become for me. Like I said, I'm still working on this. I still get frustrated from time to time and say some dumb shit. But at this point in my life, the most single most important thing that 
I have in my life is, is, is relationships and the opportunity to make new ones and sustain old ones. And it's the things that I, that I cherish the most is the opportunity to, to create that and build that with, um, any type of person. It doesn't, um, doesn't really matter. Um, I, I tend, I find myself more often than not kind of going out of my way to build relationships with people um, that seem like they need it. Um, and yeah, so not that I like avoid an opportunity to, you know, go build a relationship with someone who looks like they don't get, like they have a lot of friends and they have whatever, a lot of money, a lot of, uh, they look really happy. It's not like I just, I try to go find an unhappy, miserable, homeless person every day to go build a relationship with. Um, but to, to give you more uh, specificity in regards to that statement would be like my work with our non-for-profit. Like I'm, I'm right now and for the past couple of well, five, six years, I've been strategically and specifically going out of my way to build relationships with people who um, have disabilities and helping them become integrated into a, uh, a fitness program. In, Not just in physical, gym. mental, the whole gambit. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Any, 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 anything going on, uh, physical, mental, emotional, um, it could just be any, <laughs> I say this all the time, like literally any special need. If you like, if you can't afford fitness, like, and, and for, for good reason, like for instance, I have this group of, they call it inner city kids that really doesn't exist in Quincy. Um, it's just, there's, it's not like in Chicago. Um, but maybe like 1% of what, you know, that's like there. So there's maybe like a, you could kind of call it inner city, but it's just, it's not like that here. And, um, there's these inner city kids that we work with. There's a non-for-profit called teen reach and our non-for-profit partners up with them. And these are just, uh, underprivileged kids. You know, if it was an adult that couldn't afford, if you're an adult that can't afford CrossFit, it's, it's not, your problem isn't a financial issue. You have, you have a time management issue. You have uh, ethical and moral issues. You have, you have bigger problems than your finances. Like your finances aren't the reason you're struggling. You're struggling because you're making poor, poor you're not making adult decisions really yeah, prior. You, it's a prioritization issue. Yeah. It, that's perfectly put. It, it's a priority issue. It's a value issue. You're not valuing the right things and you're not prioritizing the right thing. So very well put. Um, so these kids, they have a special need. They're not, they don't have down syndrome. They, they're not missing arms and legs, but they don't have parents that can support them. And so we will go out of our way to uh, offer our our services to them free of charge. Um, so, yeah, um, it it doesn't matter what your your need is. Um, 
if you have a, a special circumstance. And when I, I say special circumstance, it, it means to me, um, it, it's going to require unique treatment in, in, in the way that you, you might not be able to fit into our kind of traditional, generally physically prepared group classes. We've gotten much better at being able to integrate uh, special needs individuals into our group classes. But for the most part, our, our group classes tend to be, you know, for people who are generally physically fit. I do have people who uh, I got some older gentlemen who are in my class. We used to have like special classes, um, like where I would have all the old people over here. And then I would have all the special needs people over in this corner. And then I would have my generally physically fit people over in the main section. I've completely stopped doing that. And my goal now is, and this is probably more CrossFit-esque, to this, you know, infinitely scalable um, program, and I'm working to get every single person into class, and um, we're we're just kind of working with people one on one. Like I mentioned, that teen reach group, um, some just underprivileged kids. They don't really have any. They definitely have some some trauma that will probably inhibit the rate at which they develop maybe comparatively to someone who came from a loving supportive household. But, uh, so they, they tend to need some one-on-one attention. Um, just like if I had, I'm sure you're familiar with James Foster. He's, he's my original OG, um, adaptive athlete that we had oh, here. King James. Uh, I see him all over your yep, Instagram. King right? James, man. He's a legend. Um, but that guy, that guy takes classes now. He could run a class. He could coach a class now. And, um, you know, before he needed, he had, he needed to have some one-on-one time, um, some special attention. And that's when I say special needs that you just, and sometimes I get <laughs> regular people who are special needs and they just, they need some special attention and, and we will appoint that to them and make sure that they have maybe an assistant coach with them or something like that. But yeah, man, I want to make our, I want fitness for everyone here at Q town and we're working really hard at it. And we're, we're doing everything that we can to try to uh, reach people um, who, who, who weren't, having things like this made available to them, whether it be a financial reason with a child or it be you're missing a leg or you have down syndrome or you're 300 pounds overweight. Like we, we want to make, we want to make our gym available to anyone and everyone. And, uh, I, I believe that that is going to change the world. I want to get back to the scene thing, but to, to, to jump on what you're saying, it, it's one of the things that really, really frustrates me about um, the the trend of the world and some of the things that have happened since Greg's left to talk about inclusivity as being an issue with CrossFit because relative to the rest of the world, it's the most inclusive phenomenon I've ever seen on the planet. By that, I mean Hands you'll work out – down. Yeah, yeah. You'll work out with someone with Down syndrome next to you, someone with a turban next to you, someone who's – 
13 years old next to you, someone who's 80 years old next to you, yeah. someone who came from the inner city, someone who's worth $2 billion. It is, it is, it is, it's, it's something we don't talk about because we take for granted in the community, but it is crazy. You can't talk if about you, it. If you want a gay Jewish, you'll get in trouble. Haitian midget, you will, and you want to work out next to him, you will more likely see it in a CrossFit gym than any other environment. And why is that? Because the CrossFit focus was on um, bettering human beings, all of them. And my, my, the, 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 my, it took my mom, you know, probably five or 10 years to realize this. She was, she's 77 now. She started CrossFit at 69, but she used to always think she was the weak link or she wouldn't go on partner day workouts. And I think slowly she's realizing, no, no shit. That's my contribution to show the 15 year olds mm. and the 30 year olds that at 77, you can still do this. And she, you know, at that age, and I don't blame her cause we're all, we're all insecure in our own, in our own right. She didn't, it's hard to imagine the contribution she's making subconsciously and consciously to see a little old lady who has no background in fitness working out right next to you. And uh, it, it's, it's really one of the amazing byproducts of the, of the kind of businesses that you own. You will actually get to interact with people you would have never met and you will have a really deep shared common experience with them. Yeah. It's, I think it, honestly, it's, awesome. Savon, it's like it's people have been pretty severely brainwashed and I'm, I'm guilty of it. Like yeah, me too. I, I've, there's been things that I've been ignorant of and, and also been trained to believe. Correct. And, um, anyone who's, who's on their soapbox claiming that we need to be more inclusive in CrossFit, they're not opening, they're not, they're not in the affiliates and they're not opening their eyes <laughs> to what's happening there because I 100% agree with you. My gym is the, besides maybe a church is the most well inclusive well place in our town, hands down. And I would, I would bet that for any other CrossFit gym in any state, in any country, probably besides the churches tend to do a really, really good job um with with their diversity but this is the most diverse place in our town trying and, to make uh, crossfit right. gyms more There's... trying to make crossfit gyms more inclusive is like let's say your carpet's wet and you spend all day drying your carpet but really there's a pipe under your floors that's leaking water but you're too stupid to go under there and fix the pipe and what i mean any lack of inclusivity is a societal problem and actually crossfit's the cure stop stop focusing on the manifestation of society it, it, it's, yeah. there's a there's a leak under that carpet and you look like an idiot for trying to continuously dry the carpet get under there and fix the pipe and and ironically that the crossfit is the way to fix that pipe too it's 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 so sad to see something so benevolent and so good get shit on um but mm. But yeah. it's, it's 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 just a lack of depth perception. It's a lack of people having a range of possibilities that it's just not a, ca a carpet spontaneously becoming wet that, that, hey, there's actually a deeper underlying problem and actually the carpet's fixing it. I want to ask you about – when going back to the perception thing, there was something – you had an experience in Peru before you had a baby. And that's why I yeah. asked you – that's why I asked you about if you have any other developed – you feel like there's any other developed perceptions. And in – Tell me about that. I don't even want to say anything about what I read about it, but will you tell me about why you were in Peru and what that yeah. – were you married yet at that point? Yeah, we were married. We were married, but with no been, child. 
By the way, congratulations no on, the, and- on the on the on Star. Thank you. Um, I never could imagine it being this cool and and it's been quite an upgrade for me and Jenny, our relationship, our Ooh, I our, like that upgrade. Yes, it is an upgrade. Our emotional intelligence, our just a lot of things have been yeah, been upgraded. Uh, I find myself being much more productive with my time and managing it much better. It kind of demands it, you know, to a degree. Well, it, it may demand it, but you still have to respond to that. And my response has been, uh, I've been really happy with it. I'm, I'm not a very organized guy. Um, now I'm, I'm booking things out in my calendars, like months ahead of time. I'm, I started a podcast like that. That's, yeah, quit that. You're, for, quit that. You're taking listeners away from me. Quit that shit. I doubt it. Um, that's funny though. But uh, people, uh, I asked, uh, who should I interview next? And I got like a ton of people saying you. So, and I got a ton. That's so. I don't know who I'm going to interview or why I'm going to interview them. But like, I'm like, okay, ten people are telling me to get Sam Dancer on. All right, throw them on the list. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm adding you to my list too. But. um yeah, so me and Jenny, we've been married for uh, seven years. It would have been like five years uh, when we went to Peru. And um, this was like 50% bucket list, 50% we needed help. Um, Jenny and I had just had the worst year of our marriage, uh, the hardest year of our marriage. And... Um, we, we hadn't really had any trials before that. Everything had been going very smoothly for us. We'd been traveling the world with each other, just enjoying each other's company and being best friends. And then come 2018, we decide that we want to train a team for the games to go uh, win the Affiliate Cup. And um, we move out to San Diego and we're training feverishly to go win, you know, win first place in the team division. And, uh, the wheels started falling off before the season even really started. Um, I, I got a blood test and found out that I had Hashimoto's and like no testosterone. Jenny had some gut issues and, um, we, we went to work on, on that stuff. I was in, I ended up able to treat my Hashimoto's. I got my testosterone back up and, uh, it took her a while to get her gut issues figured out. But did you treat it with that, changing? How did you treat it real quick? In a nutshell, it was all, well, it was all, I would say n- most of it was related to, well, it's definitely a combination to things. If I had to give you a one answer, it was nutrition. Okay. But it's, it's, it's not, you can't, that's not, that's an incomplete answer as well. There's, there's an emotional side to it. I now these days, I think there's a spiritual component to it. Like your beliefs, literally, I, in my opinion, control your reality and adjusting some beliefs, um, working on ourselves emotionally and, and not, and, and cho- choosing to react in a way that would be more supportive of our well-being, and and we would see on 
on, we have a whoop strap. Usually I don't wear it year round, but when I train, I put my whoop strap on and we would see that like the way that we were speaking to one another was affecting our recovery. So kind of adjusting the way that we communicated a little bit with each other, understanding that our body was in distress, heading toward disease. Uh, mine was disease and, um, and something needed to give. So we need to remove some sort of stress so that we could allow our body the uh, space and time to heal. So we dialed down the training a little bit, started improving our nutrition, making sure that we're eating enough food. Um, to be honest, during that time, I kind of fell prey to the, I'm like so embarrassed about this, to the plant-based kind of culture. And I'm, I'm, started moving a lot of my nutrition towards being plant-based, which you shouldn't be embarrassed, man. That's what life's about. Experimenting, right? It is. It is. I I was, I've been vegan before. It's a great experiment. You've never been vegan in your life. You should try it. It was, I honestly, I, I learned a lot. I felt there were some significant changes that I experienced that were positive in early on. And the same thing with like, plant-based, keto, carnivore, whatever, I would get these, I would get good results early on, but the sustainability of it ended up being, being a problem. You sound like me. And, um, I'm for body and, and get going through a health crisis that I went through is really, I think it's unfortunate that I had to go through that, but it's what, really woke me up to finding out a sustainable solution for my nutrition. And that led me to the, the pro metabolic community, um, which, you know, that's kind of a, a different story. So part yeah, of let's our, let's not lose Peru. Let's not lose. Peru. Yeah. Part of our reason for going to Peru was to, we wanted to heal. And we also, I'm, I'm a, uh, I don't even know what you, how you call it. I, I like psychedelics. I think that they they've they've been a tremendous amount of help for me. Um, expanding my consciousness has been uh, a really eye-opening um, thing, and it it opened my eyes to certain things that I was doing that were inhibiting me from living optimally. And, um, and I enjoyed that. I enjoyed learning new things and figuring out what things were getting in the way of me, um, living my, being my best self, if you will. So this Peru trip was to go into the jungle and participate in an ayahuasca ceremony and uh, ayahuasca, the active compound in it is, is DMT. And that was the only, for the most part, like the only psychedelic that I hadn't tried. And I wanted to try it. And, uh, and so the combination of me wanting to try, try something new um, and we needed some restoration in our relationship. And we also needed to kind of 
yeah, we just needed to figure some shit out. And I thought it would be a good opportunity to go check something off the list and figure our shit out. And honestly, the healing that took place in preparation for the ceremony was the greatest thing that we did experience. Um, Because we were so terrified of what was to come. So we just started purging everything. And I'd be like, hey, Jenny, remember this time that I said this and I did this? And I was like, yo, I'm sorry for that. Like, that was stupid. And I just want you to know that. that you were doing a cool. preemptive st- strike on the demons that could come out. Yeah. Yep. Oh, it was great. I'm, throwing, I'm it, throwing some of these buckets overboard before fucking. Yeah. And comes. it was. Yeah, it was yeah. that. It was like, I want to get rid of all my shit. So I don't get embarrassed in front of everybody and dump all my shit out. Right, right. <laughs> so you it. got it. We it. all start and Bickle was with us. Matt Bickle was with us as well. Um and uh so we're all doing it. And it was funny because nobody like whenever I would say, Hey Jen, remember this time that I did this and I was holding on I was I had guilt, she didn't even remember it. So we learned that like Guilt was probably the most damning thing um, that we were doing to our, our, our physical, emotional, and spiritual bodies. Um, and it was all us. I was, we were doing it to ourselves. Nobody else was, Jenny wasn't making me feel guilty. I was making myself feel that. And it was harming us in some way, mentally, physically, or spiritually all maybe all of them and um so that that was really prophetic to us to to have that experience before the experience and 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 we were really stoked on that we were all like wow that maybe maybe we don't even need to do the dmt yeah we really (laughs) we really all did kind of feel that way but we're like man we came to the jungle let's go get high and see how it how it all plays out so fast forward to taking the actual ayahuasca i had a like one-to-one experience one-to-one being one part pure bliss amazing one part pure hell worst experience of my entire life and like so bad that it almost it almost made even though it was literally to the to the dot like it was literally 90 minutes of pure bliss in 90 minutes of pure hell, the, the pure hell was really close to outweighing the pure bliss. It was that horrible and that hellacious of an experience and um, just that awful. I basically felt like I was, oh man, I felt like I was stuck by myself in this, it was this dark, had kind of a reddish hue to it abandoned like fairgrounds almost and i was by myself there and i could but i could kind of like hear people around me that were kind of like laughing at me and like calling me really bad things and threatening to do terrible things to me but i never really saw them so it almost sounded like just like you know this music was playing this horrible this horrible soundtrack was playing uh, in the background while I was walking around this um, 
abandoned um like evil fairgrounds it's hard to explain so that was that was so and it felt like i was there for a thousand years and i was there for 90 minutes right and what compounds these issues uh, whether you're on psychedelics or not is you have this issue and you're supposed to go this way with it and just accept it but what the brain does is it goes oh shit is this ever going to end so will this ever be over and so now you got two problems you're being chomped on by godzilla and instead of trying to get away, you're like, when will this end? It, it, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's such a weird mechanism the brain goes through. Anyway, sorry, go it on. It was, yeah, it was terrifying. I thought it would never end. And my buddy Matt is right next to me. It's so weird because you're still, you're still in actual physical reality, but your mind's also in this holographic like reality, um, which let me note seems more real than physical reality than three than than this experience that i'm having right now on my on my hard desk with walls things that i can actually even touch and say that oh that's real the the visions were more real more vivid more everything than actual reality um so that was the shit show part the bliss part luckily the bliss part happened first um or else I probably would have been scared to death and run off into the woods or something. Um, During the blissful part, I met up with two people um, who looked pretty human for the most part. They looked a little bigger than kind of the standard human being uh, a little bit. They were very well built, um, very tan, and they had lots of like jewels on. Um, it looked like a scene out of like 300, um, and their eyes are a little bigger, just like they, were just, their eyes a little bigger. They were, everything was a little bigger. Like they were just like kind of bigger humans. Um, but very, very, very well built, um, very beautiful skin and really ornate jewelry. The woman had a big staff, a big like stick with a jewel on the top of it. And the dude had this huge like saber with jewels in it and uh they introduced me to my child star they said we would like first we exchange some words telepathically uh i'm not in my body when i'm visiting with them i'm just like basically my consciousness was there i didn't have like a physical body but they did and we never spoke with our mouths um but they gave me a big embrace. They told me how excited they were to, to have me here and to get to show me what they were going to show me. And it, that lasted like 10, 15 minutes, just like nonstop. Like basically if you hadn't seen a relative for a really long time and we were just like energetically hugging each other and kind of like, like, yeah, telling each other how much we loved each other and, and, how happy we are that we get to have this experience together. And then they show me in the corner. um, There's ball that's kind of like just spinning around and making a bunch of crazy shapes. And, uh, but staying like a, like this morphing ball of kind of blue and purple light. And uh, they said, this is your child star. And they actually even gave me, 
the arrival date. They never quantified whether or not it was a boy or a girl. They, they're just like, this is, you know, this is your child. Um, so I didn't really know how, I didn't know if it was a, in the moment, I thought it was a boy. I think dudes just do that naturally. Like we want, dudes want a boy and chicks want a chick. But in the moment, I, uh, yeah, I got to meet my child star and same thing there. I got to kind of, we got to like swirl around each other and kind of like energetically hug each other and tell each other how happy we were to get to uh, meet each other on this plane, if you will, this, this level of multi-dimensional reality and existence. And then, um, they gave me the date of her arrival and, um, yeah. And that worked. That was the date they, they gave me 1020 and it, she was born on the, the 10th month of the year 20, 2020. And, uh, we named her star. So not sure what the hell that really was. I have my speculations as to what I experienced. Um, most of it's based on, uh, Christian theology, um, which I, I enjoy. Um, I've done a lot of, um, world religion study and, uh, I actually have my story of even becoming a Christian is a pretty radical. It's, it's equally as crazy as, is, um, meeting your future, uh, child in a, in a vision. Um, so I, I tend to, I tend to lean against Christian theology the most whenever I'm trying to, um, understand the nature of our reality. And, um, I, I still will bounce around from, I, I, so quiet. Cool. One of my members is a theology and philosophy professor. So we're constantly getting to talk about different theologies and different philosophies. And sometimes other theologies and philosophies help me maybe understand something a little bit better than just the, the Christian theology. And, um, but I, I tend to lean up most against the Christian theology when I'm trying to get a better understanding of, of what the, what the hell's going on. And, um, and, were you uh, planning on having kids? Were you, no. had you and Jen talked about having kids? No, you were not. This is good. The day, the day before we found out, this is two things that are really good. So a year to the date exactly that I met Star is when we found out that we were pregnant. And then the day before that, we decided that we were going to wait five more years before we discussed having children. <laughs> Let's put this on the back. Let's put this on the back burner for five years. What, to have a kid? No, no, to talk about it. I love it. Talk about it. <laughs> I love it. Dude, we were having so much fun. We were having the time of our lives together. Um, just traveling nonstop and did the, but before you go into this, did the, did the trip to Peru help the relationship? Did you guys, when you got back, was there, I mean, obviously there's still work, there's still work to do, but were you like, did did it help? Yeah. By time, you know, by time the trip even 
came to, we had pretty well resolved a lot of our issues. Um, but you know, that's if, if we wouldn't have gone to Peru, everything would have been fine. Um, but I do think the trip to Peru um, kind of expedited some results uh, for sure. Definitely kind of put the, you know, the, our healing on steroids to a degree and, and, and allowed it to uh, happen just a little bit quicker. But um, it, yeah, it would have happened with or without the Peru trip because it was already, it was already happening. I think really, well, I would, when I booked the trip, which was probably like six months out from when it was actually going to take place was probably like the worst when, when we were at our worst, um, which was probably like two months before the, the CrossFit game. And, and when you uh, mean, when you mean you were having problems, just, are you talking about just like bickering, fighting, tension, not communicating? We couldn't even well. look at each other. Okay. I, nor, we nor, could not even really, look okay. at each other. Okay. Um, and it just, just butting like, head, just butting heads on just stuff that's like ridiculous to butt heads on when you look back at it. Yep. Okay. Yeah. It just like anything would just yeah. It did. It was Listen just. Up, it was a that's, show. That's it, totally normal. If you haven't been through that in a relationship, or if you quit at that point, man, d- double think it because you're. If you here's what I have in that say. relationship, you're gonna you're gonna end up with the same thing somewhere else. Yeah. One hundred that shit. Yep. Yeah. Like it's getting our blood tested was probably the best thing that we did for our relationship. Wow. Um, and even now to this day, if we notice like we're bickering with each other or we're being kind of shitty with one another, we laugh about it now because we know that it's probably, it probably has something to do with being underfed, underhydrated or under, under recovered. Mm. Pretty much 99% of the time, you could boil her being a bitch and me being a dickhead down to those three things 99% of the time. And so now I, now I think of it like this, if I'm being a dickhead and you can recognize it, you're like, yeah, you're being an asshole. I'm like, that tells me that my testosterone's low. <laughs> that's, that's how I've been able to uh, navigate a lot of this stuff now, because I, I got when I got the blood results and I could I could translate the way that I felt to these biomarkers, I was able to now identify the way that I felt um with these low numbers. Um so if I ever start feeling the way that I felt, I'm like shit. My testosterone's tanking and my endocrine system's not working well. Um, probably because I'm overstressed, I'm underfed, underhydrated, and underrecovered. Um, so it's that's probably been one of the greatest things that we've ever, ever, ever done for our relationship. And the thing that I recommend to everybody, even if you're not in a relationship, like if if take a look under the hood, look at your blood, figure out where you can improve, can improve, and you will end up living a much happier and joyful life. I'm, and, and when you are happy and healthy, it's, you don't get rattled as easy. You just don't. It's really like when I'm, 
when I'm firing on all cylinders and my hormones are really good and I'm well fed and I'm well rested and I'm hydrated, good luck pissing me off. Good luck taking me out of that, that state that I'm in. It's really, really difficult to, um, yeah, to, to knock me down when I'm, when I'm that resilient and healthy, but when I'm feeling like shit, it takes nothing to piss me off. It takes nothing for me to, you know, to start an argument. It, it just, and, and it just, it all makes so much sense to me now. So I'm able to, I'm able to use my mood as a diagnostic tool for my, um, for my health and wellness. If that makes sense. Totally. You, you wrote something in one of your posts. So I heard that when I hear terms like anti-racism or um, toxic masculinity, I immediately know because I, because I know how words work and I know how the mechanism, the brain works. I know that that's just word fuckery. That is just propaganda. There's no fucking such thing as toxic masculinity. There's masculinity. And then there's not, there's, um, uh, that there's assholes. There's, there's racist people. There's people who believe in the idea of racism or practice racism. And it, and I'm not going to go down there. I'm going to stick to the toxic masculinity. But one of the things that's a defining characteristic for me, and anyone can define what they want, but for masculinity, and you talk about this in your Instagram, is there's a week before your women start, woman starts menstruating and a very strong masculine attribute. You didn't call it – I don't think you called it a masculine attribute. I think you were just talking about being a good partner. But I think it's a very strong masculine attribute is to hold the space during that week. That week that you're prior to your woman menstruating is is time for you to be stoic, time for you to suck it up, time to hold the space, time mm-hmm. to stay present for your wife. That is there, – there's a, there's a tremendous amount going on in the woman, and that's like one of the um, – and I tie this into what you're saying about really important to take care of yourself in that week and not – God, I hate this word – trigger your wife. Do not engage in her – in her process, you are there to stay present and channel the highest levels of energy and 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 even support her is not the right word. Support yourself not to fuck up. Be present. Do not get caught in anything that will make her experience worse. That is your your that is yeah. your week anything, too. When anything it, when, that will make you engage her in a way that's going to um not not help her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and almost any engagement at all at that time. <laughs> and in the, the, the most shallowest way, I want to say that women, they there's a, a um, and I don't know if this is true, but this is my sort of self-explanation for it. There's a strong emotional component that comes up in them at that point, and they'll start to believe their emotion and intellectual, intellectually try to defend it. It's your job not to try to unfuck them at that point. They'll get to that on their own. It's your job to stay present and listen, like just really really be present like the kind of presence you feel after you do 100 burpees for time you're not gonna yeah. engage your wife in a fucking stupid emotional fight if you're starving for oxygen after 100 burpees you have to get yeah. into that and 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 yeah and, and i'm not saying it's easy by the way <laughs> i'm not, saying, well, I, I'm not suggesting what, it's what, easy but it's a very strong masculine attribute and i and to not it do easier? it i don't think is masculine toxicity i just think it's you're just you need to work on your masculinity yeah and what makes it easier is it kind of goes back to the blood test thing is just is the tracking and knowing and and I the post that you're talking about I was I think it was probably the one 
we started keeping track of Jenny's just ovulation cycle oh, yeah, and, yes, yes. and in relationship to the moon. And it just made me hyper aware of where she was at in that cycle. Now, granted, in my opinion, when you're, when you're healthy, when a woman is healthy, um, she's not going to have these really wild, um, PMS symptoms. Um, and, and she's, but if you, if you are a little unease, then you tend to, you tend to have a little bit more, uh, heavier symptoms. Look at, let's just, you know, we, we've gone this far without talking about COVID. How, what are the symptoms like of a healthy person? Asymptomatic. There are, there are none. Right. There are, there's zero. Right. And the symptoms of an unhealthy person are line Sickness, them up. Death, you know? prolonged um, after effects because the war that rage inside you with your T cells <laughs> and SARS, it, it does damage. And it, it, exactly. the more unhealthy you are, the, everything's worse. The yeah. worse it is. Yep. So, uh, you know, and, and I've, we've been able to see that in Jenny's period as well. And, and, and we can use those really similar diagnostic tools that we were using or talking about before uh, with the blood test. Uh, if like if I'm acting like a dickhead, I know my testosterone's probably a little tank. Uh, same thing for her. If if she's having um, crazy symptoms around her period, emotional highs and lows, fatigue, cr- like pain, like we've we've normalized these symptoms. We've called them. You know that's that's normal. That's common to have these. But it, for a healthy person, um, they uh, they don't exist not nearly to the degree, um, that we are normalizing them. And, mm. um, and she too is able to use that as feedback for, all right, I'm probably underfed, underhydrated, under recovered. Um, and we it's interesting when you say that I want to be defensive and that's, exa- but, but you're right. And that's the same way people want to be defensive when, you tell them, Hey, you're 30 years complicit in your demise. And that's why fucking yeah. SARS-CoV-2 is jacking you mm-hmm. up. It's funny. Yeah. yeah. You're, 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 and I'm sure some listeners are going to be defensive when they hear that. No, no, no. It's, it's a real phenomenon. It's a real phenomenon. He's not suggesting it's not a real phenomenon. He's saying that, um, the phenomenon has symptoms that are, that are worse, that are, that, that, that manifest in a bad way when you're not healthy. Like mm-hmm. I get it. I see the direct yeah. parallel. Yeah. Thank and it's really simple to understand when we, you know, again, when we look at like, when we look at, you know, this, this virus issue and like you just, like we just talked about, how does a healthy person, what are a healthy person symptoms versus an unhealthy person symptoms? And it's very easy to understand when you look at it like that. And, um, we're, it's, it's, it's really, yeah, the, the worse off you are with your health, the worse your symptoms are going to be. It's just, Are you, a good you know, some swimmer, people Sam? don't want to hear that and it's hard to stomach it, mm-hmm. but yeah. it's just, it's, it's the reality of it. A, a healthy body that like it, it just doesn't, it doesn't really get sick <laughs> and, and be diseased. And when I say sick and diseased, I mean that on, on all sorts of levels. So if you're, if you feel uneasy emotionally, we can tie it back into your health. If you feel 
you know, if these, all these symptoms could be tied back into your health and wellness. And we, we treat them as some sort of like this phenomena that just like, like a virus. It just like, I'm, I'm sick with depression. I'm sick with anxiety. And, 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 and it's so funny to me that we don't fucking think of our food as in our water and our air and our relationship with nature as the, the primary culprit to us being well. It just, it blows my mind that, that this is not, I was literally just a couple nights ago consulting with a friend. His wife has cancer and uh, he asked me what I would do if Jenny had cancer. And I could tell you, I said, this is exactly what I would do. If my wife was in a hospital with, and she was getting treatment for cancer, my, my, my job would be to make sure that she had the best water and she had the best food that, that I would control what I could. And, and I would get her the, the best medicine possible. And that would be the best food and the best water that I could find. And I like, it starts, it's, it's, it's that like, where do people think like the, the chemicals that are the minerals that are controlling our body come from like what the, what the heck is so difficult to understand about our, our food and our water and our air being the thing that kind of controls our wealth. I said earlier, there's some, I do believe that there's some spiritual and emotional components to this, but generally speaking, when it comes to our physical health, are the food that we're eating and the water that we're drinking, the air that we're breathing are, are going to, are going to be what controls how, how we, how we feel, how we feel. And it, it just blows my mind that this, this is not. <laughs> Sam, you know? I'm, I'm reading this book range and, and we've all heard the phrase that a hammer only sees nails and it's really it's a fantastic book because people just hear that and they're like, yeah, that's a cute thing. Or a thief only sees wallets and purses. It, the smartest people in the world are the most myoptic people in the world, generally speaking. And it's very, very, very difficult for these really smart people who are hammers, doctors, physicians, scientists to see any other way but their way. They're so and, – and it's it's mind-boggling to us idiots because we're like, uh, excuse me. Like they're trying to figure out still how to drive a car across water, and me and you are like, nah, dude, let's ride the boat and drink a beer. And, and they just can't see it. They cannot see it. Or they argue the limitations for the public instead of believing in the public. Oh, we'll never get everyone in that boat. Well, then let's build another boat. Like, like what? Like, what? Like they're so determined to drive this car across the lake. And, and it's just, um, yeah, it's, it's, it is truly mind boggling to see how many really, really intelligent people have fallen for, for what doesn't make any sense to me and you like no sense. Yeah. You don't even have to add anything to, I'm not even asking you to take vitamin D. I'm just telling you to quit eating sugar and quit eating refined carbohydrates. That's it. (laughs) That's it. You don't got to take vitamin D, no zinc. I mean, I'm okay with taking those things, and I do take those things because I believe some of the hype. But, but uh, on that 
on that note, I would I've I've learned quite a bit from doing podcasts recently, um, and uh, some things that have really uh, shifted my perspective on really any supplementation. Um, and give you this little kind of nugget that really helped me understand how and why even supplementing things that are natural could end up being problematic. And, um, and, uh, there's, and this just was a no brainer to me. Um, nowhere in nature are you going to, uh, Oh, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Did my video go out? I, that just happens once just in a so while. Just so you know, it says there was an issue with the recording. Please restart the studio. Should I hit restart or should I just leave that <laughs> up there? <laughs> no, keep talking. Because okay. everything looks good on my end. We're going to wrap this up okay. as soon as you say this anyway. But God, I hope I, this was so good. I hope we didn't lose it. So tell me. I'm really curious um, about the supplementation. Yeah. So you got an example. Nowhere, um, you know, nowhere in nature can we find these isolated supplements. They all work synergistically with other mm-hmm. compounds. Um, so when we start taking these high doses of vitamin C, these high doses of zinc, these high doses of, of whatever, vitamin C, we're taking them in ratios that aren't found in nature and, and without their partners, if you will. Um, and so really, if we, we want to prescribe the best medicine, we we need to look at we need to look at nature and we need to stop trying to um, isolate things from nature and 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 call that medicine because you you the medicinal properties are coming from the relationship that nature has with itself and with us well we are part of nature and and that's been one of the most profound things that I've really learned from the guests that I've had on my podcast is our health comes down to our relationship with nature. And are we getting sunlight? Are we getting clean air? Are we getting clean mineralized water? Are we getting good food that, that has wise cultivation practices around it? Uh, and when I say that I'm talking about the quality of our soil and the, um, in the, in, well, depending on what route we want to take, like, are they a commercial industry, just the chemicals and the, the fertilizers and the, and the rodenticides and the fungicides and all these things that we're, we're using in spring on, <laughs> it's really no different than what is happening with people right now. We have to come up with all these cocktails to basically keep people alive. And we are doing the same thing to plants and animals. We have to inject and spray all these different steroids and, and fertilizers and stuff to keep this shit alive because it's, everything is so, the environment is so trashed and, and um, we're doing the same thing to people too. Um, but our, our health, comes down to our relationship with nature. Are we getting good sun? Are, are we getting plenty of sun? Are we getting quality air? Are we getting good nutrition through our, our food? And, and we have to look at what our food's food is. And um, yeah, that's, and, and like I was talking about with the, with the vitamins and the supplements and stuff, 
if you're going to be taking vitamins and supplements, and there's companies out there that, that are doing this, we need to look at it in a holistic way uh, rather than this isolated um, in this isolated manner. We need to start looking things wholly and um, and 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 using these whole food supplements, whole foods really, um, to to treat ourselves. And uh, and like I said, nowhere in nature can you you know can you go find isolated hormone D and, and isolated zinc. Um, it's not just like hanging out. It's always in conjunction and, and, and with, with other things. And, and those other things are really important to the function of that thing that we're supplementing. Um, so it's definitely changed my mind on, and I've, I've since then been, you know, what are, what are some of the negative effects of, of mega dosing a, a, vitamin D or mega dosing zinc. And sure, we, we, we say these things are impactful and important and, and necessary to our health, but I think how we're getting it, the, the, the delivery method is, is equally as important, if not more important than the, the substances that we're consuming. And what I mean by that is, you know, um, Yeah, things things just work together, you know. Things just work together, and it's important that we are we're being supportive of the way things were designed. And when we start manipulating, wow, that's things says it all right there. Being supportive we, of the it, way it, things are designed. Yeah, and there's don't this, drive your car on the roof, people. It's designed <laughs> to run on the wheels. Yeah, you know, so. Imagine if and your car so, ran out of gas. Imagine if your car ran out of gas and instead of putting gas in it, you put another car behind it to push it around. Would that be fucking stupid or what? <laughs> and that's what we have is with society. They just sell you fucking more cars another car. To push it around. Yeah, they just sell you another car, push it around. What's wrong with the car in front? It's out of gas. Oh, yeah, this is a good idea. Let's get a big truck and push it from the back. Yeah, man. It is absurd. Um, I'm really proud of that metaphor, by the way. <laughs> Sam. I um I wanted to talk about your green Jeep. I want to talk about paintballs with Josh Bridges. I want to talk about the swallowed lip ring. I wanted to talk about what it means to be open to love. I wanted to talk about um uh more about your shorts. Um I want to talk about the post that the only post you ever pulled down on your Instagram account. I wanted to talk about the opposite of courage is conformity. That is really good. Uh being sexually assaulted, um, why you chose a home birth. Um, I want to talk about your child's name. We didn't even talk about kids. Um, get married. Why did you have a baby? Um, have you ever bought a brand new car? These, I, my notes go on and on as I dig through your Instagram, but I have to go and you have to go. Yeah. So this, honestly, <laughs> I, those were all the things that I was anticipating talking about too. I, I thought we, <laughs> and I thought we would get into, uh, a little bit more of the, um, uh, kind of standard cultural climate issues that we're, we're dealing with right now uh, with the absurdity behind, um, you know, a lot of the, uh, the, the policies that have been put in place from COVID and, uh, and, and some of the, um, 
prescriptions that have also been uh, been dealt out and and how we're trying to uh, incentivize people uh, to to do some of these treatments and it, oh. and and it's the opposite of health uh, and it, it's so it's so obvious. Do you want to talk about uh, that? Do you want to jump back on and do another one sometime? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, cool. Anytime. I, Savant, sorry. Truth, I, I'm always afraid to bring that stuff up with people because I'm not sure who's comfortable about it with it. Yeah. So like, well, you know what? I, we have, it needs to be talked about. Yeah. There just okay, needs good. to be an adult but, conversation around it. And even if we, we can't perfectly and professionally articulate all the information, there's nothing wrong with us as adults having a conversation about something. And if, if we're not allowed to talk about it, then that's a serious problem. And okay, and I think I we can start addressing that just, just by talking, just by talking. We might not get my, it all right. Yeah. I kind of <laughs> hide behind my Instagram to talk about it, but you're right. I would love to talk. Hey, about that's it a dangerous it. place. It's way more dangerous <laughs> to talk about it on Instagram than it is on a podcast on Instagram. Well, I'm unem- you know, I'm unemployed and I'm not selling anything. So I've been just letting it fly. Dude, Ripping it. Ripping it. <laughs> You're crazy, bro. Sam. I love it. Thank you. Yeah, man. Always a pleasure.